So we just came out of this devoted series where we looked at the four G's, which you will hear again. Gather, grow, give, go. That's what the early church was doing. And that's what we're called to do today as his body here on earth, to gather together just like we're doing here and also in community groups that happen in homes throughout the week, to grow up, to become more like Jesus, to give of all that we are. That is our time. That is our money and resources, skills, talents that God's given us. And then also to go and, and, and reach those that are our neighbors and our colleagues and our family members who don't know who Jesus is. We saw those things the last four weeks, and, and we want to be a people that are devoted to those things. Amen? All right, I'm glad I'm not alone on that one because it's not a solo sport. It's a team effort. And by the way, we have a rich history here at Cypress Creek Church of doing that, which I am so excited to Continue And so my mind and my heart and in prayer, I was like, Lord, what do you want us to look at next? And it was clear that I wanted to, I felt like God was calling us to focus on the love of God. And so I started doing all of this studying about the love of God. And the love of God is awesome. And the love of God is all over the 66 books of the Bible. And so it got a little complicated. And when things get complicated for me, um, I, 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 yeah, never mind. I'm not going to go into the roller coaster that is the complicated place in my brain can be sometimes. And so I said, Lord, please keep it simple. Show me what you want us to do. And, and uh, First John hit me. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at how God is love according to this letter that John writes. It's the letter of First John. It's at the end of our Bibles. It's five chapters Long, And I would love for all of us to be in, in this book for these next few weeks. It's an amazing book that talks about how God is love. Perfect love, cast out all fear. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. God is love. These are verses that are all in this amazing short book. This book talks about love 53 or so times, depending on what translation you are reading, which is amazing given that it's pretty short. And it's written by this man named John. John was one of the apostles. He walked with Jesus. He wrote the gospel of John, and he writes this letter also. But before we go into more context, I want to read these uh, chapters or these verses here in chapter four. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, in he, in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Before we move on, let me just say um, this about 15 and 16. This is what this book is really about. It's knowing God, and when we know God, we know love. Love has a lot of different Definitions in our culture. In my culture, in Mexico, in Spanish, we have querer, which is like, and amor, which is love. And they're a little different. Uh, but we say amor only on really, really intense times. You don't say, uh, you know, like the anchorman code, like I love lamp, or I love rug, or I love cheese, or I love uh, cheese ice cream. It's not, we don't say that. We say yo quiero or me gusta, I like. But Amar is, is kind of heavy. And so when you use that word love, it is heavy. And it's the same way here. This is a heavy type of love. It's agape love in the Greek, which is godly and sacrificial 
love. So we have come to know and to believe the love, the agape love that God has for us. God is love. The inverse is not true. Love is not God. So if we want to know how to love, we need to know God. That's what we're going to look at through this series, because the world says that love is a lot of different things, but we're gonna look at how this letter teaches us what love is. Let's keep on reading verse 17 and 18, um, or 18, 19. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us, the letter of 1 John is what we will be looking at. And I love that it strikes right here, like fear. I think there's two things in our culture that, that are symptoms that we are all feeling. We're all feeling heightened fear in some way or another, but we're also sensing this decrease in compassion. So we're afraid, and we have all of these things that we're fearing, but then when it comes to our relationship with one another, we're lacking compassion, running low on compassion. My friends, God's love is the answer. God's love is the gas station that we can go to to refill our souls and be filled with that agape love, which will and can change the world. The only thing that can. Book of 1 John. A few more things. This book is uh, circular, not linear. What I mean by that is when you read a lot of Paul's letters, who was another guy that wrote most of the New Testament, it's very sequential, so you get a lot of points. John writes a little differently. It's circular. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody that starts right here, and then they like go all the way over here, and then before you know it, they're all the way over here, and then they say, now where was I going? <laughs> Maybe you're that person. That's John. That's how John writes, and so he touches on all of these things, and you're like, John, you're throwing me for a loop here. The beauty of it is that that is a man that has been uh, empowered by God's Holy Spirit to write his word. It's one of the beautiful things about reading the Bible is there's 66 books with different authors that have different personalities. And so in reading this letter, we will find new things about God because of John's personality. And so the first things before we move on to these first 10 verses, John's focus is positive. His aim is redemptive, not reactionary. And he lists he does not list do's and don'ts for us. Actually, what he does is he lists what God has done for us. And when we focus on those, then it actually shows us how to respond to the different things going on. He talks to a divisive issue or a few divisive issues that were happening in a local church that we really don't know exactly which one it is, but I love that because it is relevant to every issue that may be divisive in the church. And instead of focusing on those things out there, these issues, he focuses on that which we do know matters. Focus on the heart. God is love and God is 
light. Those are the two main themes of this letter. Today, we will talk about God is light. First, 10 verses, and then we'll break it down. First John, starting in verse one, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us, that which we have seen and we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So he actually brings back the prologue that he wrote in John chapter One, verse one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In the beginning, he was with, uh, the word was with God in the beginning. So we, we see this, which was from the beginning. What he's talking about is Jesus. Jesus was in the beginning and John has seen him. He's heard him and not only that, but he's received him and now is empowered by the Holy Spirit because Jesus ascended into heaven and he is proclaiming what Jesus is done in his life. And I love verse four, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Boy, I can use some joy in my life these days. If we focus on God being light and God being love, we get joy. That's what God wants us to experience this side of heaven. He doesn't want to to rule over us by a, a list of do's and don'ts. He wants us to experience what abundant life with the creator looks like, full of joy. Verse five, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So he's talking about uh, hypocrisies here. If we say something, but we're actually doing, we're actually walking in darkness, we're lying and not practicing the truth. He's keeping us accountable. But if we walk in the light as he, Jesus, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. God is light. So I wanna do before we move on to love and speaking to some of the things that this letter will show us in the next few weeks. I want us to get out our flashlights and recognize that we're really good at flashing it in other people's lives and saying, hey, Rob, I see that in you, man. You need to change. You need to change that. You know, we're really good at judging others and saying, you didn't do that one right. I want us to flip it first and allow the Holy Spirit to show us any way that is not of God, any offensive way in us, that we may be walking, we may be saying something, we may not be realizing, though, that we are walking this way. Don't worry, I'm not gonna call anyone out for any specific issue. 
out today. The Holy Spirit of God will do that if we are willing. In the beginning, God, and this is Genesis 1, 1 through 5, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. This was the reality in the beginning, that this world was without form and it was void. It was empty and formless. It was chaotic. It was dark. Sometimes we feel like life is that way right now, don't we? It's because this Hebrew word is still true today. This Hebrew word for, for void and empty is so fun. We gotta say it together. It's tohu vavohu. I know you wanna say it with me, so let's repeat it together. Tohu vavohu. It means that this world is chaos. Out there and in here. But God was there. His spirit was hovering over the waters. God is here. We just sang it. We're in the Father's house. He is with us. Not only that, but he is bringing order out of chaos. In verse three, what does God First thing that God creates, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. So the first thing that God creates was light. This ability to see and pierce the darkness. Same thing that he wants us to do today in our lives. Lord, what is this darkness that I'm dealing with, this burden that I'm carrying, this depression that I'm facing, this anxiety that I'm feeling? Lord, I pray that you would just shine your light. We'll talk about how to do that, how the word shows us how to do that. But first, it's very important to talk about why. This is so close to the mission of God in the beginning, just by creating light. And then he went on and created a lot of other things. And then in Genesis 11, we read that we down-spiraled as humanity quickly. There was the flood. And then after the flood, we built this tower called the Tower of Babel. And, and, and then we were all in sync, but we were idolizing humanity versus idolizing the creator. And God in his kindness just scattered everybody and said, it's not good for you guys to bring glory to you because that actually leads you to destruction. That's the darkness. And then in verse 12 of Genesis, I'm sorry, chapter 12 of Genesis, the most amazing thing happens. The creator makes a covenant with his people. He chooses this man out of random named Abraham and says, I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna show you my love. I'm gonna show you how faithful I am despite your continual sin. And I'm gonna show the world who I am through you and your family. Steadfast love of God the light of God. In John 3, 16, we see the fulfillment of that story when Jesus came. See, the people of Israel couldn't please God with their behavior. They couldn't get their act right. And so God finally showed us through Jesus that there's nothing that we can do to earn God's love. There's no good way that we can behave that can make up for our sin. And so Jesus came and in 
Verse 16 of chapter 3 of the Gospel of John, for God so loved the world, we know this, that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's why Jesus came. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. See, sometimes we ask the question, well, why would God condemn bad people? Or maybe we want God to condemn bad people like Jonah did the, the Ninevites. He didn't want them to, or God to change his mind about them, right? And, and so sometimes that can be our, our way, but we forget that it's not God who condemns, it's sin that condemns us and can send us to hell. It's God who sent Jesus to rescue us from that place. Verse 18, whoever believes in him, Jesus, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. See, the only thing that we need to do to be rescued and saved is to believe in Jesus. That's it. And so anyone that does not, God gave through the lifesaver out and said, here you go. And it cost him the life of his one and only son. And yet, we read that people don't come to faith in Jesus. Verse 19, and this is the judgment that light has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. So it's God's light in us that changes and transforms us and then shines through us to others. Not to say, look how great Hector's doing in life. He's really, really, no, no, no. Hector's gonna say glory to God. It's praise to the one who gave his life for me that I'm able to change and walk in this way now. It's the light of God shining in us and showing us the darkness that he wants to do away with and then shining through us. So how do we do this? First, we have to recognize that shame is not from God. So when we talk about the darkness that we deal with, when we talk about those sin areas in our life, shame is not from God. Christ came for freedom. He came to set the captives free. He came to bring us abundant life. So when we feel shame, we gotta recognize that that's the enemy just tightening up the shackles. And then we enter into this beautiful process that God gave us that's quite shocking on how we live in the light. The first one is releasing the sin, just releasing it, not because of guilt or shame. Conviction, it's different. When we feel God convicting us about something, we act upon it. We just, we just release it and we confess it. James 5.16 says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And it's shocking to me that God chose to use us to help us heal and, and you know, for him to heal us through the forgiveness of our sins. He forgives, only he and he alone. I can pray to God right now and ask him to forgive me and he is just and faithful to forgive. We read that just a little bit ago, but there's power when we release that to somebody else as well. 
with our mouth. It's convicting, it's challenging, it's not fun, but it's beautiful that God chooses to use broken people to heal broken people. We have this thing called Encounter at Cypress Creek Church. It's an incredibly powerful weekend where we go through a lot of different sin areas and we release sin to God. No one forces anybody to do anything, but we have the opportunity to be freed and released from the things that chain us. The enemy came to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what sin does. It wants to absolute annihilate our very being, destroy our families, break our marriages. But Christ came so that we may have life and life abundant. When we release those sins, we allow the light of God to shine in us. Second thing is repent. Repent truly just means to turn. And so we turn from that sin. We say that it is not okay, that if God's love goes this way, and if God says to live this way, my sin says that way. And I have to recognize that I have to make a U-turn, that I can't be living that way. It's submitting to God's word. It's very unpopular to submit yourself to anybody. But this is us, his creatures, submitting to the Lord's way and say, yeah, I don't understand it. It don't feel right, but I'm gonna choose to repent from this place. And we can't do this alone. When we can't only do this by talking about it. First John 2, 9 and 10 later says, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. So we have to walk and mean what we actually say. So it is releasing, it's confessing, it's also turning and walking away from that sin. That's why we have community groups. That's why we gather together on Sunday morning. That's why we have phones so that we can text and call somebody that you know that's gonna help you stay accountable. There is no shame, there is no guilt. We say, man, I'm with you. I'm so sorry that you're struggling with that, but just know that you're not in this alone. We need one another to turn from our sin. Matthew 6, says that the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. It speaks to repentance. And finally, and most importantly, we receive God's love. That's how we live in the light. We release and we confess. We repent and turn and we receive God's love. That's what heals us. The season of the Old Testament that encapsulates the exile of the people of God, I think is incredibly important for us to tap into it because they knew when they were brought from their homeland to this foreign land, when they were oppressed, when they were the minority, when when they were looked down upon by these uh, foreign oppressors, that that place was not They were experiencing the consequence of their sin and and the sin of their people for generations and generations. And so it was God's way of showing that this earth is not our own and that there's nothing that we can do that Jesus had to come to show us the way back to the Father. There's nothing that we can do as humans to earn our way to God. And the prophet Jeremiah laments over what's going on. He sees destruction. He sees uh, atrocities happen. 
and he shows us how to lament in the book of Lamentations. And in chapter 3, verses 19 through 23, he beautifully encapsulates what I believe uh, epitomizes what it looks like to receive God's love. He writes this. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. So what he's saying is, remember all the terrible things that have happened to me in my wanderings, walking around a foreign place, uncomfortable, not knowing where I am or where I am going. The warm wood, which is this fungus that is not good for us, and the gall, which is this bitter shrub, represents what is physically going on in their life. My soul continually remembers and is bowed down within me. He's grieving, but this I call to mind, verse 21, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. When we receive God's love continually, we allow him to fill up our tanks, to illuminate our life with his light and allow his love to flow through us. We don't normally do this, confess and, and talk about uh, responding to God in this way. But I think, again, if we want revival to happen, the revival's gotta start in here first. Repentance has to be authentic in here before we expect it out there. God wants to use his church to lead what's going on in our generation. Nobody else is leading. I don't know if you've recognized that, but we have terrible leadership out there all the way around. If you think that's a political statement, it ain't. It's the church is called to lead and the way that we will lead is through repentance and through the love of God. And in doing so, we will see revival. I'm confident. Worship team, you can come back up.